0: Hey everyone! Welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Morning, church family. It's good to be together to worship our Lord. We serve a great Savior, don't we? The uh, hope you're doing well. Are Are you feeling the joy of spring on the way? Is anyone else just, man? It's coming. The uh, birds are singing. We have a little like swampy pond not far from our house, and I heard the frogs croaking the other night. The uh, basketballs are flying. We have, uh, unfortunately, IU is struggling still, but there's hope. We have a spring break. If you have kids, that's always a fun thing to see coming our way. As a church family, we're looking forward to Easter. I cannot wait to celebrate together, knowing it was this coming week last year. I don't know if you're remembering back, and I'm having flashback moments of just like, are they really going to cancel everything? And yep, and we ended up canceling our church gathering, and and now to be able to come back together and just uh, looking forward to a special time of worship this coming Easter, we have a word is out. Now this is not for sure, but word is out that Red's Donuts may be back in the house for our fellowship time in the gym come Easter. So all this in heaven too. Life is good. But even in those, I, this past week I was just thinking, you know, you can have moments when life is so good, but even in the same day, life can be so hard, can it? And I was enjoyed the opportunity. I've never been to a, a woman's conference or women's conference, but I got to join in via online. I was on the elliptical that Saturday last Saturday or Saturday ago, and got to listen in and what a, a neat time our ladies had. But what hit me was the, uh, when it opened up to just anybody on the floor sharing, hey, have you been through a wilderness season this past 2020? The stories that our ladies were sharing about things they were going through and just reminded me again, the Lord just whispered, John, every Sunday is somebody's really hard day. And somebody walks in here going through, probably asking, am I going to have the strength just to keep on looking at a really hard week? And it reminded me, too, of what a gift to gather. Like our prayer for this time is that it's an outpost of heaven on earth where we, you know, we're out there in the challenges, but when we come in this place together as Jesus followers, it's like a little embassy of heaven, where we we were actually in his presence, breathing the air of heaven, encouraging each other with his love, but also remembering what is true, and remembering that, hey, Psalm 23, 1 is true. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, and as my shepherd, he restores my soul, you know, and our souls get easily out of out of whack, but he brings us back into that healthy place in our inner being. But he also guides our paths, leads me along the right paths. When I don't know which way to go, he's given me his word. He gives me wisdom. And when I'm in that valley, love that promise in Psalm 23. He says, I'm with you. I'm there. My rod and my staff. They're your comfort. Love that picture is. Do we need to fear? Should we fear the rod and the staff of God? Well, it depends if you're a sheep or a wolf. And if you're a wolf, yep, you better be fearing them. But if you're a sheep, the rod and the staff of God, they're a comfort, aren't they? He protects us. And then I love that image. He switches metaphors where he says, and I'm, he sets a table before me, meaning it's a victory celebration, but right there in the middle of our battlefield, bullets are flying overhead. We're in this tough life. God sets a table and says, hey, let's have a meal together. And it's a victory. Uh, he's already won the battle but we still have some cleanup work to do here but he says let's let's enjoy this meal and he takes that picture of he pours a cup that's overflowing and isn't that our God just taking care of us even in the the toughest moments and then he says surely goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life and just love these moments to to be encouraged and hope hope you are encouraged today but this we're currently in this series follow me and working our way through the the uh, gospel of Luke and today we're going to relive another moment in the life of Jesus chasing the question what's it really mean to follow follow him when he says come follow me what's that look like now Luke chapter 1 to 9 the focus primary focus is on the identity of Jesus who he is but he pivots and we're going to be in Luke 10 25 today he pivots to what's it mean to follow him and really drills down into what's it mean to be a disciple and discipleship and, and all of that. And today, as we come to this text, I do want to just give you a heads up. There, this is a challenge because it's, a, uh, it's, it's the curse of knowledge is what we're going uh, to test us as we go into this text. The curse of knowledge is, hey, I already heard that, know that, been there, done that. And we, our brains shut off, and we start running down our rabbit trails. Hey, what am I going to do this afternoon? Who's going to win that golf tournament? Uh, this, that, the other. House project versus staying in the truth and, and receiving what God may have for us. So you guys ready? It's not going to be easy, but, but here we go. The uh, quick context. Remember, as Luke writes his story of the life of Jesus, he's, he, he's following the journey of Jesus from his hometown Nazareth in Galilee area to Jerusalem. So it's this, um, and we're on our way to Jerusalem. There's a marker text that's really important as you study out the whole book of Luke that, that I'd like to give you and highlight, and then we'll get into our text today. The marker text, it's kind of like a highway exit ramp sign in, as Luke is writing, and it's in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, where he says this, As the time approached for him, Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So this is just that picture of our Lord saying, it's go time. And he resolutely sets out. Don't you love the picture of our Lord just saying, here we go. And so from here on in the the gospel, we'll see him on his way to Jerusalem. So picking it up now, as we pick up this text, Luke 10, 25, you'll hear immediately a lawyer trying to bait Jesus with the question, have you ever been questioned by a lawyer? I was thinking if, for, if you're a kid and your dad's a lawyer, that's a, that's a rough life because, man, you're, you're, if you did wrong, they're just going to question you into that. Yep, I admit I did wrong. And, uh, and so this is kind of nerve-wracking. If you're in the room and you hear a lawyer start questioning, you're like, uh-oh, here we go, here we go. Verse 25 says this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, and so the law here is the Mosaic law versus the civil law of the day, but he knew it, man. He knew it front, backwards, upside down. He said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Crucial question. Was he sincere in asking this, or was he, uh, who knows, but the words that you want to circle in your Bible are, what must I do to inherit eternal life, to, to be accepted into to God's kingdom so what do you expect Jesus to say he has been saying it other Gospels John believe in me right And that's he is the way the truth only way to the father but what's he say verse 26 what is written in the law he replied how do you read it now that's interesting why did he why did he point to the law well what's this guy an expert in the law it's his home court so Jesus is saying okay you want to go Let's, stay, let's play this out on your home court. What's the law say? 27, he answers correctly. He says, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Meaning, this is Deuteronomy 6-5, but really, just love God with everything you've got. And, and don't you appreciate that even in this day, back in the day, it was about relationship, with God. It's God restoring his relationship with his people, and it's not about religion, but a love for him and for us. But then the second is like it. So how do we know if we love God? And they they connected, and he's quoting Leviticus chapter 19, verse 8. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. So with all the passion, speed, uh, intensity, desire that you take care of yourself. So with all the You know, you're going to go after that appetizer today after church. You're hungry, and you're just like, man, i got to get that chip and that dip, and i got to feed myself. Live like that as you see needs of those around you. Take care of them like you take care of of you. That's the command. Jesus, how does he answer this? You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. What must I do? Do this. Now, as we read this as followers of Christ, are you feeling the tension here? Like, wait a minute. I thought we were saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ and not by works. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. What's going on here? I didn't think we we had to do to receive eternal life. But Jesus is saying, do this and you will live. And, and what do we know that's going on? He, he can see what we can't see, and that's the lawyer's eyes. He's processing. And what's the lawyer thinking? His faith is in his performance, the law. And so he, he sees it. It says, verse 29, he wanted to, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? So he knows he, he can't keep this, but he's like, okay, I need to create a circle of responsibility around who my neighbor is. Now, the Jews in this day, they said Gentiles are not our neighbors. We don't have to love them. But, um, but within even my fellow Jews, who do I have to love? Is it in my town? Is it in my neighborhood? What, what's this look like? And so that's where Jesus begins to, to tell this well-known story. As he says in verse 30, In reply, Jesus said to him, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers and they stripped him of his clothes and beat him and and went away leaving him half dead now scholars some scholars feel that Jesus was probably actually in this area this road from Jerusalem it may have been near Bethany and we have a map here if you see Jerusalem there Bethany this is that road from Jerusalem down to Jericho and so it's about 18 to 20 miles it drops down elevation about 3,600 feet and it's just treacherous terrain and two things you did not do take this road alone and take it at night In fact, there's a pass through uh, an area that's called the what's called the bloody pass and so it was just perfect hunting ground for bandits they could jump you get all your stuff run back up in the hills before any law enforcement or help came along and so as Jesus tells this I'm sure this guy and those listening are, are they see this. They, they, are familiar scene. It says a, a priest happened to be going along, going down that same road when he, when he saw the man and he passed by on the other side. So this guy's thinking, here's my help. Nope. The priest was actually responsible to teach the law. So this is the guy that loves God, loves neighbor, but, but he bypasses him. So, to a Levite, so you hear a Levite, a Levite took care of stuff in the temple. They were actually the ones tasked with the responsibility of giving money to poor people. So, if you're this guy and you see a Levite coming your way, you're like, yes, but nope. So, to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan. So, we know in this culture, Samaritan, that was arch rival enemy. Bitter animosity between Jews and Samaritans, both uh, in the realm of religion but also in the realm of, of nationality. There's just animosity. And the Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. The word there is this idea of compassion. He felt deeply to the, just what his pain, this guy's pain became his pain and hit him at the core and then the emphasis of this passage is on the action and watch all all that's about to unplay it says he went to him and bandage bandaged, bandaged his wounds to even go to him was a risk you say why did the priest and the levite pass by well these robbers it was well known would leave a decoy person often a guy faking that he was hurt and when a traveler stopped then they jump jump you And so you know what we tell our teenage daughters? If you're out on Saturday night and you you see a guy out waving by his car with the hood up, don't stop. Just keep going. That's not your responsibility. Call the cops, whatever. That um, similar here, they may have been thinking, I'm not going to stop and run the risk. If this guy's still alive, what's that mean? Bandages are probably close by. So for this guy to pull over and go to him, bold move, risking his life. But then he gets messy, bandaged, his wounds Pour in oil and wine, medicine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, donkey. So lifts him, brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. The next day, so his schedule affected, he took, the, took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him, and when I have returned, I will reimburse you for any extra expense. Great cost. Open, basically, blank check. Then Jesus says, "Okay, which of these do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers?" And as the enemy, or as the uh, this lawyer is is processing this, it hits him, and it says, verse thirty seven, the expert in the law replied, "The one who had mercy on him." And then Jesus told him, "Go, and do likewise." If you remember one phrase today, that's the the phrase that's just a call to action. Go and do likewise. Go love like this. Like how? And what do we see that's different about this The Samaritan? He was loving. His eyes were different. He was looking to love. Eyes that were looking to love. Not looking at whatever divided him, his race, his religion, his, and we can fill in our blank, but rather looking at the need of this guy, seeing past all that stuff to his need means living with eyes that are looking to love a heart willing to hurt a heart that that takes time just to to see it fill it and then let that the pain of that person become our pain compassion and then hands willing to help you look at this guy's hands and he's willing to go over there and get involved get messy to uh You know, to to lift this guy up, put him on his donkey, to allow his schedule to be interrupted, to reach down into his pocket, pull out money, and then say, hey, I'm going to, whatever it takes to to help him, I'm in. Love like this. Go and do likewise. So what happens to this lawyer as he sets out to love his neighbor like that? How does the story play out? Well, Luke doesn't tell us. Why? Why doesn't he tell us that? Well, he doesn't have to, does he? We know how the story plays out because it's our story. He can't love like this. Now, he will try. He will go out, fired up, okay, okay. I'm going to love like this, but what's going to happen? The law of love will crush him it'll crush him there will be a moment he'll have some good days he'll he'll love some people well but there will be a moment there'll be a need and he's going to walk by it and he'll hear that voice you just pass by you just pass by you're the guy that just passed by and not only will he pass by the stranger he will pass by the person he's living with in his own house he's not going to love his wife like he should he's not going to love his brother like he should he's not going to care about the people at work like he should. The law of love will crush him. And you know, often we come to this moment, this story, and our focus lands on the question, What? who is my neighbor? But what's the primary question in this text? What's the big question? What's the driving question in this text and why God has left this for us today? It's what must I do to receive eternal life? What must I do to atone for my sins so that I can have a relationship with the living God, receive forgiveness, and enter his kingdom? The lawyer is assuming that he can do something to gain access into God's kingdom. If he keeps the law, if he just does it, God will accept him. But what's our Lord teaching us? Teaching Him, but teaching us through this moment that He's recorded for us. The law of love crushes us. We can't go and do likewise. We will never do enough to gain His acceptance. We will never love Him like we should or love those around us like we should. The purpose of the law is not to save us the law can't save us it has no power to do that the purpose of the law is to lead us to lift up a mirror in front of us so that we can see ourselves broken unable to save ourselves or gain God's acceptance we are selfish to the core and deserve eternal judgment our souls are damned apart from a savior that's why God gave us the law. He tells us that many times in Scripture. One of the clearest is in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, that says, Therefore, no one will be, de- be declared righteous, right with God, in God's sight, by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Have you been crushed by the law of love? Oh man, I remember when I first really understood this as a understood this as the law as the great you know, command as a college student. I was like, yeah, I see it. Just love God with all my heart and love people like this. I can do that. And I get all fired up to go do it. Only to realize, oh baby, I'm a failure at that. The, the law is not, the, the words of God are not a self-help manual. They're to lead us to the reality that we can't help ourselves we need a savior who will rescue us transform us change us from the inside out you know the danger guys as we read this story is that we get all fired up about go and do likewise and we run out to love people in our own power only to realize we can't and that's not the main point of the story the main point of the story is we need a savior So it goes back to that question then, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How do we gain God's acceptance into God's kingdom? And this is where it gets good. Are you ready for some good news that just make you want to stop and sing a song right now? Praising God. (laughs) What must you do to receive, to inherit eternal life? What must you do? What's the answer? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Salvation is God's work. We are saved by grace alone, through faith, in the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. His perfect life and His all-sufficient death on the cross. And we look to Him in faith and cry, Help! And that is how we receive eternal life, period. And don't you love how, now the, the prop, propositional form of that is in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but the narrative form is written into this parable. And don't you love how Jesus writes this into this parable? The, the gospel is right here. Who's the Samaritan in this story? And we like to put ourselves as the Samaritan, but who's the Samaritan? It's not us it's Jesus he was the one we looked at as an enemy and yet um, and and who's the guy who's bleeding in the ditch it's not our neighbor it's you and me it's it's this lawyer it's us all but dead And, and so when you understand that you start to understand the story what's the guy in the ditch do throughout the story What's he do? (laughs) He does nothing. He he just lays there. He, He doesn't even have the strength to reach up and grab hold of. He just lays there. This is a story of God in his grace saving you and me. Eternal life, our relationship restored, is a gift of grace. It's God who comes to us with a love that's immeasurable He's compelled by his love for us. We running from him, enemies, it's God who heals us. He he bandages up our wounds. And how does he heal heal us? Isaiah tells us it's by his wounds, the wounds of the cross, that we've been healed. And it's God who lifts us up and will carry us into the place we are today, but but safely home um, one day to be with him forever. It's all grace, all undeserved. Conversion, you guys, becoming a Christian, Is the moment we realize there's nothing I can do to earn God's favor and it's that moment we realize the only way I can enter into a relationship with God is by his grace and by crying out Lord help it's the cry of faith and when we cry help every scripture says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is saved we have a God who comes to us in his grace lifts us up rescues us forgives us, redeems us, and begins a transforming work in us. So now, once we have been carried by grace. So here's the scene. What do we learn from this text? We are crushed by the law of love. We are carried by the the grace of God. And once we are carried by the grace of God, we are empowered then to go love as He loves. But but just to drop back for a moment, thinking about grace, imagine you are this guy in the ditch, and you'd heard two people come by, and you looked up, and you saw a preach, they passed by, so when you hear footsteps the third time, and now your life is sapping away, you're probably thinking, I'm not even going to open my eyes, it's game, set, match, I'm gone, and if they're not stopping, who will, but as this person, you hear his footsteps stop, and then come near you, and you just go and open your eyes, and you look into the eyes of pure love, pure compassion, And then this guy starts working on you, like, hey, man, talking to you like a medic. Hey, let's get this. Let's get that bandage up this. Hey, I'm going to put a little. And then he looks at you and says, all right, now I'm going to pick you up. And you're laying there. Just imagine you're that guy. What would it feel like to have him reach down and get under you and lift you up and carry you to his donkey? It'd be a humbling thing. I think it's like, I can't. But also how grateful and I was when was the, l- the last time someone carried you do you remember it remember the moment unfortunately I don't remember all the times my mom and dad carried me um, their love poured out in that way but I do I was as I was thinking back it was it's Sunday school at our old church in the basement I had, as a kid I had kicked a uh, a uh, chunk of ice. I, you know how those chunks of ice fall off the cars trucks and in the parking lot it looks like a soccer ball and you're just like yeah it went to kick it and it was actually ice and like a bit of glacier and smashed my foot and so I was struggling to walk and I'm looking back I'm wondering was I milking that moment <laughs> but my Sunday school teacher picked me up it was Mrs. Clayton I still remember it very vividly and carried me to my classroom and I remember two weird emotions but strong emotions going on the first was This was uncomfortable and embarrassing to have to be carried as a young boy, but it was also just wonderful that she loved me that much. (laughs) And uh, so I thought about that. I thought, I don't like to be carried, but man, when I need to be carried, I appreciate it. We are carried by the grace of God today. There's only one way that we are right with him, know him, experience all that we have, and it is solely by the grace. As you think about this story, guys, think about you, who are you in the story? Just picture this, our Lord carrying you. Unable, dead in our sin, and yet he picked us up and has given us life. Can you see that scene? Crushed by the law of love, carried by the grace of God. But then, this is where it gets good. Now, When you've received the saving grace of God and He's begun His work in you, what happens? And we become able, new creations in Christ, a new capacity and power and desire to go and do likewise, to love as He loves. And we receive, we are called to love like that. It's no longer a command, it's a calling, meaning you're going to want to do it. It's who you are, it's who I am, it's what we do. Birds sing, crickets chirp, we love people. It's kind of like saying, hey, John, go eat a snickerdoodle cookie. You know what? You don't have to tell me to do that. In fact, I, it's what I do. I love snickerdoodles. I'll even eat 12 of them if you need me to do that. <laughs> I'll step up for you like that. That's the, the, the gift of this. In Christ, when we come to Christ, it says we are uh, the, the old is gone, the new has come we are reborn rebirthed, is the idea we have a new nature within us and it's the Holy Spirit that brings that he gives us life but then he takes up permanent residence within us and he begins to form in us the heart of Christ and what's the number one Galatians 5 calls it a fruit or evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life first one it's love it's this kind of love the the fruit of the Spirit is love now When you you see an apple on a tree, does that apple, does that fruit make that tree alive? No. What does an apple do? What does fruit do? It proves that tree is alive. Our love, we don't love people to be alive, to gain access into God's presence, to receive eternal life. Our love is the evidence that we are alive. That's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10, I don't have to teach you guys how to love. To who you are just do so more and more it's why john says in first john 4 if, if you say you know god but you hate your brother you're lying to yourself you if you if you don't love people and desire to love people you're not a child of god now we're, we're all growing in this and we have and but that desire if that's not there You have to ask do I really know God have I really is is the life of Christ really alive in me and if it's if if I don't have this love I have to question am I alive in him and and repent and turn to him but uh but my brothers and sisters the gift of this text the gift of, of faith is as we come to faith in Jesus Christ we're crushed by the law of love we can't do it we fail But as we receive his grace, we are empowered to go and do likewise, not because we have to, but because we want to. It's who we are. And we want to just, with eyes looking to love, heart willing to hurt, hands willing to help those around us. So bringing that all together, big idea. What what is it that God would have us take from this text and live out this week? First is just interacting with, with the law. We are crushed by the law of love. We are carried by the grace of God to allow that to lead us to worship and then to go and love like that to go and do likewise as we see the the good Samaritan here so how do we do that what's that look like in our everyday life couple thoughts here or two categories to think through as you think through your life one is routines and the other is random moments so as you think about the routines of your life this is just saying okay as I plan out my life there's certain things I'm going to just do habits and I'm going to put a routine of love into my life. If you're a member of our church, you know we call this, this is the fifth habit of a Jesus follower, it's serve, and the word serve uh, syncs up with, throughout scripture we're called to serve one another humbly in love, and so this is ministry. This is just saying, okay, what are the needs within my church family, and I'm going to get involved in a ministry, maybe serving in your small group, maybe serving in, we have a list of appreciate Pastor Tyson and our staff putting together immediate ministry opportunities here and there's uh, sheets out on the guest services table as well but like guest services I'm holding a door for our people coming in and just welcoming people helping them feel God's love as they walk into to our gathering and kids ministry good news we're launching our nine o'clock kids ministry on Easter Sunday and we that we had to put on pause during COVID but this, we have opportunities now. And if you're looking to invest in the life of a, a child, man, great opportunity. But what's this do? It, it puts a rhythm in your life where every week, man, I'm showing up and I'm loving on a kid. Or maybe you say, I'm going to do it once a month or I'm going to do it for a season or whatever it may be. But it's that rhythm of love. Love our, uh, our basketball ministry. And we uh, Clayton and, and Wes and the coaches for four months just said, All right hey, we're going to show up every week and love on basketball players. But high school students, disciple them, and it's that that rhythm of love. So if you don't have a ministry, I, I would just um, invite you and encourage you to put that rhythm into your life and uh, as, as part of going and, and loving like this. And then the other, and then could say quick, thank you to everybody, all, all of you who are serving in ministry. And I know as I look out, most of you have multiple ministries, and you're just swinging the bat. And the other side of that is burnout, and we want to protect you, but, uh, but so appreciate your heart. And our church family, just you guys are um, living this out. Let's keep on, keep on. And then the second category, so you have routines, and then you have random moments. And this is where we pray, Lord, just help me be ready to go and, and do likewise in those moments that I didn't plan. And where there's just a need that pops up along the road of life and that I would step into that stories are one way that help us remember or uh they inspire us just to live ready this story is one of those I think that just gets locked and help me live like this guy on the way from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho I'll share a story that happened a couple weeks ago and but I encourage you think about your own story and maybe share that at the dinner table today somebody who's lived this out and it can just get lodged in the minds of those around you and, and help inspire us to do so. The one that uh, happened, it was Lincoln Street. I was on the way on my way to work following a school bus early one morning a couple weeks ago, and the, the bus stopped at a house where there was a white van pulled out near the street, and it was all normal until the bus driver got off the bus and went over to the, the door where a young man, elementary age, was trying to get out of his door and out of his car. And mom, as I watched it happen, mom, he didn't want to go to school. He didn't want to get on that bus scared. And mom was coaching him, coaching him, coaching him. And this bus driver came down and just was loving on him. And it was our own Rhonda Burton. who's part of our uh, facility staff. And so as I saw her just trying to love on him and be mom, I, I started, jumped in there, started praying. And watching the scene play out, and then finally this young man, you know, had the courage to reluctantly get on the bus and go to school. As I was driving by that white van, what rocked me, was I looked into the face of that mom, tears just streaming down her face. I'm like, oh. The burden that mom is going to carry for probably the rest of that kid's life if if that kid struggles in certain areas to get on the bus. It's probably going to be a daily burden. And uh, there was a Jesus follower who was ready to meet her in her moment of need and help. And then I thought about, where's that kid going to go? Mom's not there anymore. Where's he going to go? He's going to go into a school where the secretary there at South Elementary, Sarah, is a, a Jesus follower where he's going to be surrounded by a principal there that's a Jesus follower and teachers and kids that are followers of Jesus. Malachi Lane, who that young man will stand up for a kid who, who may not be like all the other kids and may need help. And I just left me thinking, Lord, thank you for your body. Thank you for people who, who live this out, not because they have to, but because they want to. It's their why. Going and do like, doing likewise. People who are stepping away from their own priorities and their own um, self, you know, elevation and saying, what can I do to serve? Getting messy at cost, cost of schedule, cost of time, cost of money, but doing the bidding of our King for His glory. Isn't that awesome? This is our calling, guys. Follow me into a life of love. Not the law of love. It will crush us. But we've received grace, changed through the gift of God, so that we might go and do likewise and delight in living this out. Do You join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the the grace that you've poured out to us, that you have, uh, when we were dead in our sin, you loved us. Jesus, you gave your life for us and opened our eyes to the beauty of who you are. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that you've given us to love as you love and to go and do likewise. And if we could ask you for one thing, it would be just a purity of love. To have your eyes that are looking to love, your heart that's willing to hurt with people, and then to have your hands that are willing to get messy and, and uh, enter into people's problems and be, being willing to do whatever we can just to help out. Thank you for our church family, Lord. My brothers and sisters that are living this out, just encourage us to do so more and more today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.